Friends, welcome to the Common Room Lounge. This is a, uh, a version of the Common Room that we established at Second Presbyterian Church before this whole COVID pandemic threw our world upside down. And so we thought we would take it to a uh, virtual setting. And so the plan is to have different people ask very real-time um, questions, uh, conundrums in their life. And then for a couple of people, who've got maybe a little bit of professional Christian training or theological background or whatever to, to speak to that and have a little bit of a conversation and hopefully in the midst of that conversation to uh, to at least, if not, if you don't come to a conclusion, at least at least have a little bit more perspective around it. So these are confusing times and, uh, and, um, and maddening times to be honest. And so one of the ways that makes the common room um, lounge a little more doable is that we um, do this over a drink. So I, uh, my name is Paul Rock, uh, the Reverend Dr. Paul Rock, and uh, pastor at Second Presbyterian Church, and I am joined by, uh, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Jimmy Itzak, and I uh, work at Second Pres. I have a master's in theological studies, and I kind of am a theological mutt. I started off in the conservative evangelical world, then went charismatic for a little while, and now I'm at home here in our traditional progressive world, and kind of couldn't be happier. Life's more complicated than it's ever been, but you know, at least it's real. Uh, and my name is Trish Barong. I'm a lifelong Presbyterian and member of Second. And I've been an elder and a deacon, and I always kind of felt like that was a reason to require drug testing on the nominating committee. Because I could never really figure out, I was like, wait, what? But you understand that I'm clueless. So. <laughs> So we gather this night, this this uh, this afternoon, on what happens to be Pentecost, uh, May the 31st, uh, but it also is the third or fourth straight day of rioting since the, um, since really, you know, what, what people have called the, the lynching of, of, um, of George Floyd in, in, in Minneapolis. And so uh, that's kind of our backdrop. That's, that's where we're at. And so uh, the idea here is that uh, Trish is our question asker. So Trish, what is the, uh, what's the conundrum? What's the question that, that you want to with? <laughs> oh, so many. Um, yeah, it's, I, I am, as part of my job, I spend a lot of time on social media, um, which is not a great idea right now. And fortunately, I've curated my friends list um, well enough so the people that I'm following are woke is such a weird word, but they, they, they know the right things to do. I think we know to listen more than we talk and um, we believe that Black Lives Matter and we're, this, this group of friends are either marching or donating um, and trying to find all the ways to support they can, but it is, um, it has gotten damned hard to find hope and to know, to know what to do that doesn't feel like it's just a short-term solution or a band-aid or not enough um and so thinking about you know what is what is the role of a christian what is the role of a church um how do you how do you find hope this is a lot of questions um but just i guess how do you find how do you find hope when it feels like the world is falling apart and when nobody can find agreement and when it seems like corruption is doing is more successful than good, um, how do we how do we function? How do we behave? How do we how do we Christian? Good question. Over y'all. 
need a drink for that one. Uh huh. <laughs> Jimmy, what do you think of this question? <laughs> I mean, this this question is so multi-layered and complex that I I almost don't even know where to start. I mean, the reality is is that it is overwhelming. Um, I for most of my career, I've been in mission work and have traveled abroad and seen a lot of different places and a lot of different people. And one of the things I found, if you think about the various countries in Africa, um, I was in Burma for a little while. There are people all over the world that have lived with this kind of oppression, whether it be as extreme as genocide or as, I guess, more modern as just having different regime changes. And there's a lot of people that live under a lot of these kind of tyrants and a lot of these conflicting ideals and, and all these different um, priorities that are coming into play. And it's about power and it's about um, kind of keeping the people in power in power and, you know, keeping the people subservient, you know, just where they are. And so there's a part of me that almost feels like America is finally starting to join the ranks, you know, um, this, this isn't, simple um and this this almost is a a luxury that we're the blinders are kind of coming off you know and we're starting to see that we have a real problem and we got to do something about it yep yep i mean i i think uh i was listening to a number of um kind of commentators people of color who are speaking to this and i think one of the things that to, to acknowledge in our denomination and, and you know and on this in this conversation we're all white right and and uh we um can't um fake it like we we understand the the depths of the of the corruption and the pain and the anguish that our um, brothers and sisters of color have, have lived with in our nation and and people as you mentioned jimmy in other parts of the world um you know someone said this is this is white america finally seeing the curtain pulled back and what a lot of other people live with every day and so where my, um, my soul is kind of exhausted and not knowing quite what to do in the midst of this, there's a part of that that is, uh, there's, a, there's a privileged aspect to that to say, I'm, I'm, um, I'm tired, I'm not sure what to do. And there are, you know, our brothers and sisters um, of color in our country have been living with this every day of their lives. And so um, I think it's okay to be tired. It's okay to be exhausted. It's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to be confused. That's that's okay, and we don't need to solve that right away. We actually can sit with that and build up a little bit of empathy, and rather than feel sorry for ourselves or whatever, we that, that, that's that's part of the process. Um, one of the one of the things that has kind of hit me the last couple of days is 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 the story of Pentecost and this idea that that the that the Jews were all gathered together in Jerusalem at that time. There are people from all over the that the known world at that point who were in Jerusalem. And they were there for a traditional celebration to do what they kind of thought, you know, they were supposed to do. And, um, and, uh, and all of a sudden the spirit of God fell and everything was confused and, uh, and people felt, um, uh, well, I mean, the, the, the words are astonished and confused and frightened and different languages are being spoken. And people thought that other people were drunk and there were accusations happening. And, uh, and in the midst of all that confusion, God was doing a new thing and was birthing the church. And the church didn't come out of a proper, orderly, you know, white reality. It came from a bunch of brown-skinned people in the Middle East who were currently under the occupation of the Roman Empire. And, uh, and I, I feel like on this Pentecost Sunday and this Pentecost weekend, 
we find ourselves in this time when the Spirit of God is falling on our country in a way that makes us very confused, frustrated, whatever, and, and wanting to blame other people. And that we as Christians can be the people that say, no, actually, you know, just, just sit with this because God is, God is at, at work here and, and we need to give voice to the, the work, the, the transformative work that is actually um, necessary in, in our country and to give, give, a, give a, at least a purposeful narrative out of this confusion. And that's how I feel when, when you see people um, online complaining about the looting, complaining about, you know, we talked about this, complaining about the rioting um, and the tragedy of burning things down. And yes, it's scary and yes, it's terrifying, but what else works? What else? Yeah, right. <laughs> nothing else really, has worked. Nothing else has worked, right? The one thing that's gotten results is destruction and violence. When it was yeah. peaceful, nobody did anything. Leadership didn't do anything. Law enforcement didn't do anything. Like that's, that's a really hard pill to swallow. And, and I was just thinking, Paul, as you were talking that how much of my reaction to this is privilege to think that being over, like being overwhelmed is a new emotion for me. Yeah. And how privileged am I that I have not had to live um, in a lifelong situation of injustice and in a sense like i'm so humbled by by this and almost embarrassed to to even comment on this and and we were talking about this earlier but i'll tell you the this is the time where we have got to let our brothers and sisters of color help us understand what is going on yep. because if you are confused by rioting the rioting and the looting then you are missing the point and you need someone who understands this to help you understand this. And it is not about greed. It is not about being criminal. It is not about anger management issues. There is a statement being made. And I'll tell you, I have, I have needed people of color who have lived with this to help me understand that my new emotion doesn't make this a new issue. Yeah, there is, um, there is plenty of information out there for us. Um, we don't have to ask. We don't have to make someone else do the work. We are, we are required right now to go find this information to, for ourselves, to actively um, look for works and writing and talks by Black people um, so that we don't have to ask them to explain it again because it's not like they haven't been talking about it and right. we just haven't been listening. There's so much information out there for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is our opportunity, I think, uh, to, um, to to re um, redefine the 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 flames that we're seeing in our country. Is that some people are 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 terrified, and they sh and rightly so. Um, but sometimes things, and this is going to sound iconoclastic of me, and maybe that's that's okay. Sometimes things need to be burned down before new things can grow, right? And and so I think we uh, white folks have got to learn to live with our anxiety or fear. Um, my, my wife and I, uh, just earlier today, our two, two of our children who were off in different parts of the city, and we were, we're not sure where they were. were, we're checking on, you know, find my iPhone and thinking about, you know, did, you know how, how are they doing? And we know that there's protests going on in Kansas City. And, and then I'm thinking, this is, this is what you know, people of color, men and women, husbands and wives, parents have got to do every day. 
with their with their kids if they haven't heard from their kids of color because every day you've got to live with this kind of uh, fear, wonder, anxiety. Uh, but where where are my kids? So for us to wake up to that, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. It's, it's not going to feel good. There's no. There's not going to be a, a, a quick solution. Um, but things um, things might actually need to need to burn for a little while, and it, it might be uh, chaotic. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that we need to give in to violence, hatred, othering. You know, as people who follow Christ, uh, who was crucified as a political activist, you know, committed to nonviolence, committed to love, committed to forgiveness. You, you can do both, and, and we need to be the people that hold up that banner in in the midst of this of this chaos. And as we listen to those at the margins who've got the truth to be told. And you know, Paul's thinking too, just from a, from a biblical standpoint, I think there's a dilemma that we're all facing as people of faith to say which biblical principle applies right now. Is it flipping the tables or is it turning the other cheek? Is it, it we were talking about this actually in preparation for this talk, but is what does love look like in the midst of this? And love is patient, but love also just doesn't stand by and let these horrible things happen that's right what does it mean can love look angry and can that be okay can can love look indignant and and i don't know and it's complicated to think about you know destruction being an act of love but i don't really think that that's what we're talking about here what does it look like what biblical principles are we going to because self-care is one of those things that is so healthy but how much of self-care is wound up in my privilege, right? I have the option to do nothing. I have the option to just let this all blow over. And that is really convicting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's time to do the hard stuff. It's time to, when friends and relatives say things that come from a place of privilege or even hatred and racism, it's time to stand up. It's time to have uncomfortable conversations. It's time to put ourselves out there in ways that we've been able to just kind of go, well, you know, I just don't, that's uncomfortable and that's complicated and I don't have to deal with it. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like that's complicated gets to be an answer anymore. It doesn't feel like that's uncomfortable and I want to avoid it gets to be an answer anymore. Yeah. Here's where we need to learn the lessons that, uh, you know, when I, when I hear, um, you know, my black and brown brothers and sisters who are who are pastors in the, in the black church in America, women and men who preach um, for justice and all and 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 name the injustices head on and powerfully and provocatively, but also do not let go of the the mandate to love, to care, to to um, to forgive, to to unite. Um, not 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 uniformity, but but being united. Um, we've got a lot to learn. And that tension is is will wear on us, um, and and these fires that burn will be scary. But um, we've got to we got to learn how to live with this and figure out how we then are a part of building the the new phoenix, you know, out of the out of the ashes. So, and you know, Paul, to go back to your statement about Pentecost, all birthing requires pain. Amen. And so the fact that there's pain right now might be a signal that something is being birthed, yeah. fresh and new. Maybe it's appropriate we're talking about that today. And maybe that's what we should toast to. Yeah. Right? Let's toast to rebirth of 
a better place for everybody. Yeah, through the pain, through the confusion, may something be born. Cheers. Amen. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so here's a, a quick footnote to our conversation in the Common Room Lounge. If you'd like to know more about um, how you can be involved in, in being an activist in anti-racism um, in Kansas City or, or in different parts of the country, I encourage you to look at the Open Table, uh, which is the new worshiping community that Second helped plant. Um, they are committed to this, to being a uh, community of reconciliation in a city and a world that is divided. So I encourage you to take a look at their website, the Open Table KC, and, uh, and all the topics and the resources that they have dealing with being an anti-racist community.